We go out to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. He is former Browns special teams quality control coach during his time with the Cleveland Browns from 1991 to 1994, working, of course, under the legend we know today is Bill Belichick. Kevin Spencer joining us now on the show. Kevin, I appreciate you giving us some time today, my man. Thank you so much. I'm happy to do it. That's a, that's a hell of a lead-in. I, I feel very uh, honored by that. <laughs> I left out the part about you winning a Super Bowl with the Steelers, too. I should have thrown that in there I, as well. I, I didn't think that you would make mention of that. And, oh, by the way, I was with the Cardinals when Coach Tomlin beat us that's with right. our team. That's right. So, anyway. So, you've been on both sides of it. You, you know what it's like. That's awesome. Yeah, um, it's, uh, you, it's a tough deal. Wouldn't recommend that to anybody. Winning's great, <laughs> losing's not so good. Uh, that, that's definitely what the, the vibe that I think we get when these players kind of react and you see how, how, how hard it is to get there in the first place. So, um, it's a unique experience that you have both sides of it. I, I want to talk to you before we get to some of this Belichick stuff, because this is obviously the topic of the week, as we know. But before we get to that, we saw this week with the Browns some of these recent coaching changes that Stefanski and company have made. I'm just curious, as somebody who's been in those rooms and been in those end-of-season meetings, just what is that process like as the season ends and then there's discussions being had about coaching changes and different things? And then what are those conversations like with the, the coach or whoever's kind of making those decisions to part ways with somebody? It's uh, you know when I first heard it, Spencer. I, I, you know your initial response is a as a past coach and and having lived that experience, you you, you feel kind of sick to your stomach. You, you hate to see it have to. Uh, you know how hard these guys work. You know about their families and kids in school, and then you realize really quickly it's an unforgiving business that has a very short memory. Uh, they're not. It's you just you know it's what professionally done. You know the head coach does the best job he could possibly do and. You know, you just gotta you gotta get on with it because you know you you understand in this business is that you're gonna get fired and it's gonna happen and you don't like it when it happens. You just gotta have you know confidence in your abilities that uh, you know you're gonna you're gonna rise again and wind up someplace else. So I, I felt bad for those guys, but uh, you know after I started thinking about it, some of it made sense to me. Yeah, why well, did it make sense to you? We've kind of talked about it a lot on the station, but as you kind of look at, at at the decisions that were made with with AVP and Stump Mitchell and and TC McCartney with this team, just what is what is your sort of perspective on why they're maybe going in a different direction at those specific position groups? Well, you know, a lot of stuff that you know, listening to the show, your shows, and and, and reading it, I think that probably they sat down. Love and Six was great kudos to everybody there, players, coaches, fabulous job done to, to do what they were able to do with the adversity they faced. But I, I think probably, uh, you're not privy to a lot of information, but my yeah. gut tells me that this is about Deshaun Watson. I think that they, the offense that they ran at the end very successfully probably isn't the offense that would it best fits him. So possibly they, they just feel the need that they got to go out and get some new ideas to bring in some other people that could maybe – uh, better embrace that concept of quarterbacking uh, that uh, Deshaun does well. And, and I think maybe that's why they went with it. I, I think Coach, you know, uh, Van Pelt, I felt bad for him. I think they offered him another – it seems that they offered him another opportunity uh, because they think they want to get a coordinator. And uh, this man does the work. He has the title. But he's not calling the plays. It's, it's, it's got to be a tough deal. He's a competitor. I'm sure he wants to do it. And maybe they had to loosen up those other positions, uh, tight end, uh, obviously, and Coach Stump is uh, 
one of the most respected running back coaches in the country, but maybe you open up those positions because you bring in a new quarter and he says, hey, I want to bring my guys with me. So that's what I, I think is possibly happening here. Uh, they put 2023 to bed real quick, and I think that, you know, you're, you're on the, like Coach Belichick always says, on the Cincinnati, well, I think Cleveland's uh-huh. on to 2024. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. You bring up the play calling, by the way, last thing on the Browns side of this conversation, but you bring up the play calling, and we love to – I think sometimes almost to a fault. Like we, we debate it so often, and I don't know that it's it's worth as much time as we spend talking about it. But that's kind of the question I have for you because Kevin Stefanski has been on the airwaves here with us, and he has flat out said that I think Ken and Lima once asked him, like, what's the thing that we overemphasize? And he said, I think probably play calling. How much does it really matter, like, who's calling the plays and who's not calling the plays? I, I think there's a significance to it. I think Coach – is you know he kind of keeps things close to the uh, yeah. the breast. Uh, he's, he doesn't you know show. I think it was cool to see he was somewhat more emotional this year on the sideline in the locker room. But I, I think sometimes you know it's like anything else. You get a feel for it. You got a gut feeling. You, you feel the rhythm of a game. So I, I think there's there is a lot to do. It not that someone else couldn't come in and do a great job, but I, I think there it's not as generic or as vanilla as coach uh, makes it out to be. I think there's a, a lot that goes into it. And I think it's just have a feeling thing. You just, sometimes your gut tells you one thing or a player looks at you, somebody says something. So I, I think coach is selling himself short. I think he's got a great pulse of the game and, and, and adjustments that are made. So I, I, I attribute a little bit more significance to play calling than the actual gut work that goes on from, you know, Monday to Saturday to prepare the game plan. Some good perspective from Kevin Spencer, former special teams coach under Bill Belichick here with the Cleveland Browns. From 1991 to 1994, I want to take you back to that time, Kevin, and reflect a little bit on just, we know Bill Belichick today, we know he's no longer the coach of the New England Patriots, but what was he like to work for at that time, before he was the Bill Belichick that we know today? Uh, You know, I I think in a lot of ways, you know, he has mellowed, I think he learned from his Cleveland experience relative to uh, dealing with the press and probably... Uh, you know, having a, a better feel for the, the pulse of the team or the, you know, the physicality or how you got to cut things back. But, you know, he hasn't changed a whole heck of a lot. He's, a, uh, you know, I'm a obviously incredibly biased. Uh, you know, Paul Brown was probably one of the great football coaches that we can think of today. But I think Coach Belichick is probably the greatest football coach in, in this year. Let's put it that way. He's a great teacher, uh, a great uh you know, he understands the game. He has a, you know, he has a great feel for offense because of his defensive background and vice versa, although he's not known as an offensive coach. And he's a demander of fundamentals. He embraces practice and, uh, and putting the pressure on the guys Monday through Saturday because then you've, had, I'm sure, heard many times the game is a hell of a lot easier than what those guys go through in practice because of the, the demands and the, the things that coach demands from his guys so that Sunday really is easy. So, uh, he really, I'm sure, as I said, is mellow, but I still think he's the same guy. He's, he's just a great tactician, great teacher, great, and believe it or not, a great motivator, I, I think, as well, although you don't, you don't see it on the, at the press conferences because he's not going to let that, yeah. that, that, that cat hat out of the, excuse me, the rabbit out of the hat kind of thing. I've always said I don't think we get the best perspective of Belichick at those press conferences, um, and, and there are moments sometimes where you'd ask him about a specific player or like a play or something like that, and he'd go like diehard football guy, X's and O's, really diving into things, and he'd give you like a really thoughtful answer. So 
I've always believed there was more to, to Belichick than what sort of meted the eye in terms of what we saw publicly. Um, but you probably have even more perspective into that and just kind of the mind and the person that he was from a personality standpoint as well. No, you're absolutely correct. I think that he's not going to give you, uh, the press, the public, any any information that he feels is going to uh, hurt the effort on Sunday. But if you were to ask him about what do you like about that long snapper or or going back to something that happened when he was his dad was at Navy, I mean, he would expound yeah. upon that because he's a great historian and really a lover of the game of football. So you're absolutely correct. I think you could see that kind of twinkle in his eye. And, and, and believe it or not, he has a great sense of humor. He's, uh, he loves music. He can be very uh, comedic at times. But, you know, usually when it's in season, uh, getting ready for a draft meeting, you're, you're going to get that, that the, uh, <laughs> the, the robot, you know, that the way he approaches things. But you are correct. He's, uh, he, he keeps it close to the breast, and he's doing that because he thinks that's what's best for the team and the opportunity to win a game on Sunday. You reminded me that if I ever get the chance to meet Belichick in person, like in a more intimate setting, not like in a press conference setting, my end to starting the conversation with him is 100% going to be that my, my brother went to the Naval Academy. I, I think that'll work for me pretty well. I think that'll open him up and break, break, break into the shell. <laughs> well, either that or you get him to tell you, tell you a great story about John Bon, bon Jovi. I think that will loosen him up as well. But there's no doubt that the Naval Academy, because of his dad's career, yeah. and he really uh, had his formative years at the Naval Academy. I mean, he played cat for Robert, uh, Roger Staubach. I mean, you can't make that stuff up. No. I mean, so you're right. But ask me about Bon Jovi. You'll, you'll loosen him up immediately. I love it. I love the advice. We're talking with Kevin Spencer again, former uh, assistant coach for the Browns under Bill Belichick from 1991 to 1994. Also won a Super Bowl with the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. Uh, did you guys think back then when you worked on his staff that he could become the the coach that he is today? Like, I'm sure you guys all had an appreciation for him and you saw the, that direction he was taking things. But did you know he would take it to this level with the six Super Bowls and being the greatest of all time? Did you see that at, at, at that time, that that could be possible? I think I, I've made this comment many times. I, I'd be a liar to say yes, just like they would be a liar to think that Tom Brady would be the GOAT of all time yeah. when they drafted him in the sixth round. Uh, you know, I, I will say this, Spencer. I went back and worked with the, the team in New England in 2019. I went back there as a consultant when Joe uh, Judge was getting more involved with offense and needed a little bit more help in the kicking game. And you sat in the meetings and you sit there with a, a loose-leaf notebook and you write constantly from the minute he walks in the room to the minute he leaves. And then it dawned on me, like you reflect back on those early days. And I just really was too young in the game to understand the, I'm sorry, I'm going to say the genius of what he was preaching to you and what relevance it would have. And then when you flash forward to 2019, I said, ah, that's what you were thinking about. <laughs> so I, when you're in it, you're working so damn hard. It's a, you're really in a submarine for, 18 hours a day, you just you have your nose down and, and you try not to, you, you never have time to reflect on that stuff. I mean, who would have thought that Nick Saban would be the greatest college football coach? And he was right down the, the door for me and I actually worked yeah. for him from years as a defensive quality control. So now I, uh, you knew he was really detailed. He was a great teacher. He really, he probably could coach any position on the football field, field better than the position coach or coordinator. So you, you respected that. But to answer your question, I, uh, like I said, in 2019, it hit me right between the eyes, the uh, greatness of the guy. 
It is pretty crazy. We've been reminded a lot of the last two weeks, but it is pretty crazy to think that Belichick and Saban were both here in the same building in Cleveland, and they both ended up on the trajectories that they ended up on. That that's that's wild, truly. Yeah, 1994, we had the best uh, defense uh, relative to uh, points against us in that team, and that was a, a defense that was run by Nick, and you know that uh, Bill had his input, but pretty much, you know, he had enough confidence in uh, in Nick to run the show, so that uh, we we played. You know, unfortunately, I think in that uh, year we we lost to Pittsburgh in, in the uh, divisional round. But uh, the, 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 those guys were, uh, I mean, they butted heads. I'm sure there was some healthy arguments, but they uh, they both had the team in, in number one in their mind to put the best product on the field. We know how things went down, obviously, after that 95 season as the Browns got moved and Art Modell, and he's obviously despised here because of all that here in Cleveland. Um, but one thing I, I'm interested in your perspective on, if you even, if you even kind of know, or if this ever came up in conversation with that you've had with Bill and, and your guys relationship over the years, but he, there's always been this idea that since that time and since he got fired, they technically, we always like to clarify here in Cleveland that they technically were already Baltimore's team at that point. So it wasn't the Browns who really fired him. It was technically Baltimore's new team that fired him with Art Modell in charge, but after those that that moment and it, it didn't work out and they moved the team, we've always kind of had this idea or this belief that, yeah, he just doesn't like Cleveland and he hates Cleveland and he holds it against him because of how it all happened. Do you get the sense that that was true, that he had sort of a resentfulness for our city because of all that? No, you know, on the contrary. I, I, I don't think, you know, Bill Bill's not a guy that's going to, you know, like a deer rabbit, he's going to open up to you. But I, I never sensed that once. I know that he had great experiences here. I think he loved the heck out of some of the players that he coached here. Uh, you know, the Clay Matthews, Mike Johnson. I mean, you know, uh, Ozzy. I mean, he, he had just great affection uh, for that. I think the city, uh, the tradition of the Browns, because you got to remember, Bill's a historian, and he understands yeah. the great history of Cleveland football. And I think he was probably more mad at Mr. Modell for his, you know, probably not listening. You know, Bill offered some advice or offered his way that he thought it should have gone. And, and maybe the mismanagement of not only the football side of it, but the economic side of it. So I don't think Bill will ever, ever uh, say that he uh, dislikes the city and holds the city in contempt as to what happened to him. I think he'd probably attest that more to, Mr. Modell and why couldn't we be better in 95? And, you know, you know, he, you know, he sold the team. What are you going to do? And they had a hell of a season going in that 95. And then when, when the hit crap yeah. at the fan, it all fell apart. So I, I would say, no, Bill's not that kind of guy. He's not built that way. Uh, he understands the business. He's a, he's a, he's a rational guy, a, a well thought out guy. And he's not one that's driven by those kind of, you know, emotional outbreaks. He, I, I, there's no way he feels that way about the city of Cleveland and his experience he had here with the Cleveland Browns. That's good to hear. It's music to my ears. I, we got to get out of here, but I want to leave you with one last question. Who gets more credit for creating who? Brady for creating Belichick or Belichick for creating Brady? It's the question everybody wants an answer to. <laughs> it, was that, it was that magical storm that came together. I think that yeah. both guys had said, and, and I really believe it. Let's be honest. The quarterback is, is back then and especially now, is probably the key 
piece of the puzzle. But, you know, the fact that Tom, I mean, it wasn't like Tom went there as a number one round draft choice. It wasn't Troy Aikman, but he obviously had that chip on his shoulder in the drive. And, uh, you know, he, and then you had his work ethic. And then, of course, Bill, you know, managing him and, you know, all the players that were around him and the great coaches. So I think that uh, in my mind, it was just thank God that the, those two guys crossed paths and they, they wound up in uh, New England for 20 years because uh, there was truly a fabulous run. Not sure that even before the salary cap and definitely in the salary cap year, if anybody will duplicate uh, uh, duplicate that, what those guys did up there in Foxborough. That's a good on the fence answer. I like it, Kevin. I would have said the same thing because I do. Coach, that's, that's coach <laughs> speech, Spencer. You know how it works. I mean, I'm not going to give you. I do know, and honestly, I feel like it. I I, I think you're right, though. Like I I think they both certainly benefited each other, and and like you said, I I as much as it sucked seeing that team win so much, and you got sick of them. It, it, it's I can, I love that I can look back in my childhood and say. I got to see two of the best ever do it play do do this thing together and build a dynasty that may never be rivaled. So it, it's been phenomenal. Kevin Spencer again, former assistant coach under Bill Belichick here with the Cleveland Browns, 1991 to 1994. We appreciate the conversation. I'm so glad that we got to connect and uh, do this interview, and I hope that we get to do it again sometime. Kevin, thank you so so much for your time. <laughs> 